welcome to Beautiful Possibility, the creative process journal of Jillian Jacob Kieser. That's me. I created this for all stuck, hopeful, and aspiring creatives everywhere. You are not alone. The truth is, perfectionism grabbed me sometime in adolescence and halted my creative journey for many years. Today, my desire to create is stronger than my fear. So I created this podcast as my day-to-day account of getting unstuck and into motion. In this audio journal, I'll take you along on my process of unblocking and relearning how to find joy, courage, and fulfillment in creating. I always say the only place to start is exactly where you are. So let's begin. Hello, everybody. Today we have a really exciting guest on Beautiful Possibility. I have Grace Chan. She is a commercial and editorial animal photographer recognized for her highly expressive portraits of animals. Her clients include ad agencies, pet brands, magazines, publishing companies, celebrities, and TV shows. She's also the author of two books, a creative transformation coach, and has a podcast called Creativity School, where she guides people how to share their unique gifts and talents with others. Grace believes the key to life is allowing your creative energy to flow and is passionate about empowering and teaching others how to do it with courage, ease, and fun. Grace, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jillian. I'm so excited to be on today and to talk to you about all this good stuff. (laughs) I know. I'm so excited, too. I feel like I know you already because we've been friends on Instagram for a little while. And I was so just happy to encounter your work. And I feel like even though we're ostensibly in kind of two different worlds, like you work a lot with animals and I don't work at all with animals. (laughs) Um, But I think there's a there's a shared thread that runs beneath it of both being a little bit nerdy about the creative process and wanting to kind of dissect it for others and guide people on the path of like, I feel like there's this level of craft teaching that people do, which is like, here's how to you know focus your camera or here's writing skills in my case. But underneath it, there's the like sort of shared universal properties of creating and sort of that personal relationship with creating and the challenges of creating that I think you and I are both really into. Yes, definitely. And I actually talk about this on my podcast quite a bit because what I like to say is that though our creative output, our manifestations, whatever that that artistic endeavor is, might look different. I think the internal process of making it is universal. So that's what I really love digging into on my show. Awesome. Absolutely. And me too. So I want to get started talking a bit about you and your journey. Um, So tell me how and where did you get started as an artist and kind of talk us through the path to how you got from there to where you are now? Gosh, how much time do you have? We've got all day. (laughs) (laughs) This is honestly, it's been the journey of my life. That's what I feel like. I feel like my entire adulthood has been really all about growing more and more into the artist and creative that I know I was put on this planet to be. It's really a remembering process. And I think it's a remembering process for everybody. Your create your creative journey is a process of remembering because there's so many people, it shocks me who think they're not creative. When I think if you're a human being, you're creative. Like, Everything in the universe points to actually all living things being creative. And you look at nature, you look at just everything outside of you is an expression of creativity. And that's what we are, too. So when I was a kid, I was very creative. I think like all children are. 
And um, I mean, I self-expressed in every way, music, arting, just talking. Um, And my parents were actually highly encouraging of it up until a certain point by junior high school is when things shifted a little bit and it became all about get perfect grades, get perfect SAT score and go to an Ivy League college and become a doctor, lawyer or an engineer because my parents are Korean immigrants. And so, you know, when you're immigrating to a new country, you can barely speak the language you have a very limited view of possibility and what success is. And they just wanted their children to be successful. So junior high hit. And that's when, you know, the all nighters started and trying to get perfect grades started. And um, luckily, I never disconnected from my creative side, but it was always a hobby. And it was made very clear to me, like, this is just a hobby. It's really cute as a hobby, but you can never make a living doing this. And uh, that's, basically the the belief that I held on to all through high school, all through college. I was in my senior year of college about to graduate with a biology degree. And that's when I realized, wait a minute, I think my parents might be wrong. I think there is more to life than this. And I was in a bookstore. I came across this magazine. I'll never forget it. I don't even know if it exists anymore, but it's called CMYK. It was a student. It was a magazine showcasing creative advertising created by students all around the world. And I was like, I, I mean, I'm getting chills thinking about it now because I remember I'm when getting I chills saw listening it, to you even talk about it. Oh my God. I felt like it was like the heavens parted. Like I didn't even know advertising in this way existed. Like I didn't know that you could study how to be very strategically creative. I didn't know that you could make money like this. And at that point, I had been doing graphic design and web design as a hobby. I was all self-taught and doing it, you know, for the clubs I was in and stuff at school. And um, when I realized there's this whole other world out there, I was like, that's what I want. And so my senior year of college, I applied to an art school. Not that this matters at all, but it mattered to my mom. I, it was a master's program. <laughs> so if I got in and graduated, I'd get the MFA. Oh my God. And um, I cobbled together a portfolio of like the flyers and just things that I had been doing creatively up to that point. Like I had um, a blog even before it was called blogging back then. And I like put blog entries into my portfolio. <laughs> like I just you do what you got to do. Yeah, I, I shot my shot. I cobbled together what I could and I got in and it changed the course of my life. Oh my God. I have chills just listening to that story. What struck me is our stories are really different, but I feel such an empathy with that really crucial like time period of adolescence, like middle school. I, like you, was also a super creative kid, always running around drawing, making books, writing plays, writing musical, like whatever I wanted to do and making my brother do them all with me. (laughs) And then around adolescence, it's funny because I feel like you had an external force that was like, this is cute, but you need to get serious. And I felt like that voice came to me from within where I started looking at my artwork and it suddenly wasn't good enough. And like, I honestly don't know if there was someone external in my world who told me that and I internalized it or if I just thought, you should be better than this by now. And I totally quit. I totally quit on myself. And like, it wasn't until I was probably about 25 that I picked up the artist way with a group of girlfriends and like very awkwardly, you know, with bloody claws, climbed my way back into making stuff. And that process still continues to this day. It's still awkward AF. (laughs) But I totally agree with you that this is, it's also the journey of my lifetime. And I see that like life purpose and creative journey like being totally enmeshed with one another and that knocking down the obstacles to one is getting you closer to the other and they're not 
they're not two separate things. Like the healing I do in my life is healing for my art. The healing I do through my art is healing me in my life. And like, it's so beautiful, but it also means that for me, like it's so fraught. It's not just like, oh yeah, we'll just do this. No big deal. Like it felt for me and still often feels like the most holy of holies, unattainable, delicate, scary thing. I don't know if you can relate to that. I mean, I definitely relate that it's been a process that felt like I worked really hard through my own inner stuff. Yeah. You know, and um, I've been, this has been a journey that I have been all in on. And I think finally I'm 41 and I think um, I'm starting to really feel the effects of not that it's not hard and scary putting out work, because I think when you're putting out stuff that's really meaningful and really authentic, it puts you in a position of vulnerability and it makes you feel scared. And so it's not that I don't feel those feelings. I do. But at this point in my career, I have the tools to help me cope yes. with it. Yes. And I have the the experience and evidence of my life to look back and say, you've, you've done X, Y, and Z. You've been in positions where you've done very scary, vulnerable things and great things have come from it. So I think I've reached a point where I have the experience and wisdom to fall back on when I feel like so scared and feel really vulnerable or feel really rejected and things aren't working out. I just have so many more tools, I feel like, to cope with it. So it doesn't feel as fraught as it did, say, earlier in my career. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think some of your most poignant posts that I've seen on your Instagram have been about that process of fear and rejection and sort of opening the door to share what that feels like. And as such a successful person as you, I think for folks like me who follow you, it's like, oh, this never goes away. First of all, like, dang it. But also the the path isn't to eradicate the fear, right? The path becomes, okay, what tools can I add to my bag so that as this inevitably comes up, I'm more equipped to manage myself, my emotions and like hold my own hand through the process. Yes, because the fear doesn't go away. And I actually think the fear is a good thing because if you didn't care, you wouldn't be scared. If the work wasn't leaving you feeling a little raw, it wouldn't be as good. And every time you expand and grow, it's uncomfortable, right? Like doing the same thing all the time is not scary because you know what to expect. But it's in that fear that you know there's something really great on the other side. And that's what makes you freaking scared. And so I would hope the feeling never goes away. Because I think if it does, then you're just going to land in a creative rut and feel blocked and feel stuck. And so I'm constantly pushing myself, pushing my work, pushing my possibilities, and feeling very uncomfortable. But at least like now, like, like, we said, like, we have more tools to be a little more courageous. Yeah, as we do it. I'd love to do a tool trade. I'm curious. Oh, sure. <laughs> what, what are the tools in your in your knapsack for dealing with fear and trepidation and vulnerability? Um, you had alluded to these posts that I've been sharing. And really, at the core of all of it is reframing what these things are and managing mm your thoughts and being a witness to your thoughts. I think that we go on autopilot in life. Like imagine when you're driving your car from point A to point B, you don't even really know what you're doing. You're on autopilot, you know, but our minds do the same thing all the time. We have laid down literal neural pathways of thoughts that we've been thinking basically our entire lives. And then we think, this is just how my brain is. This is just who I am. But they're really just your thoughts. And so the more we become aware 
of the thoughts that we're having because our thoughts create beliefs and our beliefs create our stories and our stories that we have playing in our minds over and over and over again are going to determine the things that we can or cannot do out in the world. So if your thought is constantly, I'm a failure, I'm a failure, I suck on this. How is that going to impact the thousands of subconscious decisions and conscious decisions you're making to get the goals that you want? You're going to hold yourself back. Like everything gets impacted by those thoughts. So the more we become aware of them and reframe them, the more we can start choosing to focus our attention on the things that are actually going to help us create and get the outcomes that we want. Because the more you focus on those negative thoughts and negative feelings, the more you're going to keep going that way. Versus if you reframe and say, wait a minute, I might have not gotten the outcome that I wanted on this, which is what we call failure, but I'm getting XYZ from this. I'm actually... Um, showing myself that I'm really courageous because I put myself out there, like Brene Brown says, like I put myself in the uh, the arena. Um, I'm showing myself that I um, have really big ideas. If you, like I was saying before, if you weren't afraid, you'd be in a comfortable spot, right? But Mm -hmm. because you put yourself in a potential to maybe fail, the possibility of failure is there. You're having big ideas for yourself. You're expanding your possibility. You're putting yourself closer to that, right? And that's like, All this stuff is really great stuff that we don't see. We're choosing not to see it. We're choosing to reframe it as failure when there's, I mean, these are just a couple examples, but there's so much that comes from failure, not to mention just the life experience you get, the wisdom you get, the opportunity to ask ourselves, what is this here to teach me? Oh, yeah. We learn so much more from these um, moments in our life than success teaches us. Absolutely. So that's one of my biggest tools, just reframing and choosing different thoughts that are going to help you rather than hurt you. I love that. I have a tool that I use called throw out the first waffle (laughs) that I've used for many years, which is like knowing that the first, my first go at anything, my first book, my first attempt to do X, Y, Z on Instagram or whatever else I'm doing is going to be shit. Like I set my expectation very low. And the irony of that is I still pretty much show up as well as I would if my expectation had been really high. Like it's still, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability either way. But if I know that well, you always have to, you're going to burn the first one and then the second one will be better. It helps me just like, just brace for it, go through, do it anyway, and then see what I've learned from the other side. Like even starting this podcast, I think my first episode was just like, I have no idea what I'm doing here, but I know that I have to do it in order to figure out what I'm doing on the other end. So like, here we are. And it totally was true. Like the second 10 episodes are better than the first 10 were because I learned, but I couldn't have skipped those. You have to embrace the suck to get to the point afterwards where you're like, I got to know what I'm doing here. Yeah, I think we have, that's a great tool, by the way. I love that. Throw out the waffle. I think that's what you said. That's really good. Throw out the first one. The first first one's always got to go. (laughs) I just think like even acknowledging that your first attempt at anything you do isn't going to be the best. You know, like I have a a one-year-old. I know you have a young child too. Like their first attempts at walking are not the best. They look like drunk little human beings. They're very (laughs) unsteady. You know, and I think that there, that is such a universal truth that that's how we are at anything new we do. Like the first time you got on a bike, you didn't just get on the bike and like go perfectly. Right. And so we put so much awful pressure on ourselves 
and we're so precious about it. Like if I do this thing, it has to be perfect. When we just go in realizing it's not going to be perfect. It's never really going to be perfect, especially when you're starting something new. That mastery comes. I think Malcolm Gladwell says 10,000 hours to reach a point of mastery. And I think like we all just have to remember when you start, it's not going to be good. And that's such a normal part of the process. It is. And I think it's really important to have examples, because I feel like we see the 10th out, like Malcolm Gladwell is a master at writing excellent nonfiction books. I am not. I'm in my first hour of writing nonfiction books, right? But like, I think it's important to showcase because we have so many easy examples of masters in our world at Creative Things and not as many readily available examples of people who are like, I'm a half master. I'm a quarter master. You know, like I'm in my first a thousand hours. I'm okay. And so I think for me, like part of my what I've been doing lately is like both seeking out people who are in that somewhere in the middle, not Brene Brown status, but like on their way and trying to be an example of that for other people, like opening the door to being like, this is my first 12 podcast episodes or whatever it's going to be. You know, I'm releasing my first book um, in the next month or two. And like, I'm just being honest about what it is. This is the first time I've done anything like this. I'm pretty proud of it. And there's lots of problems with it as well. And it was hard to do for X, Y, and Z reason. And like, I think taking it on as part of my mission to share that stuff that has been so helpful for me on the journey of seeing examples of this slightly less than perfect and still extremely expansive and extremely valuable work that others are doing, I think is so cool. Yeah, I love that transparency. I love that you've been sharing that process. I think like that's why it's so important to like get in communities if you can or like find people who are at a similar place in their journey, like as you are, because like you said, you know, we're comparing ourselves to people who are decades in and it's such an unfair comparison, right? It's like a baby comparing themselves to like I don't know, like my, it's it's like my one-year-old comparing his walking skills to my eight-year-old. Right. (laughs) They're on totally different journeys, right? So I totally love that you've been intentionally very um, transparent that way. I've been doing the same. Um, I've loved watching you do it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. It's inspiring me. I think, (laughs) you know. Yeah, I think, you know, I've been sharing... I released uh, a new body of work in December that was very vulnerable, very scary to do. And I've been talking about it just more on Instagram about how scary that process has been. But it's also opened the door for me as more of an artist. A lot of my other work has been very commercial. um, And this work is giving me opportunities to seek out really more fine art and an art gallery and artist grant opportunities that I didn't really have with my other work. And so I've entered this whole other world. I mean, I've been in my career for... 14 or 15 years now. And I've entered a whole nother world that I've never really looked into before. And so I've just been applying to tons of artist grants and residencies and just all kinds of different things. And they're all not yeses. In fact, majority of them are no's. And I'm just sharing this process to show people like, this is just what it takes. This is what it looks like. You know, Instagram is a highlight reel. Some people only want to show their successes and only want to show their wins, but that's just not reality. No, absolutely. And I think that that's such an awesome gift and, you know, act of service to the creative community that you're doing by showing, you know, every step on the journey. And I, I know that you're also friends with Steph Trujillo, who runs the Money Flirt account. And I think that's, that's how I found you is through her. And she's been just such a gift to me in my life. We met at the end of last year. And just like you're saying to find somebody who's at the same stage of the journey, we were really just both starting out. She was maybe six months ahead of me. But like 
finding other people who are trying to do the same thing as you, but at the same stage. So you can compare, not compare to feel bad, but like, just so you can acknowledge and appreciate your wins that are appropriate developmentally to where you're at. Um, Because I know for me, it's so easy to see the whole big picture and the end game and say, you know, like, how can I get from where I am to Brene Brown in three easy moves? And it's like, you don't. (laughs) No, you don't. (laughs) You don't at all. And I think that's actually what I'm really seeing the power of in my own journey right now, not just as being more of an artist, but I've actually been very inspired by the money flirt stuff as well, because I'm also stepping into creative coaching right now, which Mm -hmm. I never in a million years thought I ever wanted to do. I resisted it. I thought it was so cliche and just dumb. And why did you think it was dumb? I personally don't like doing what everyone else is doing. So this is just an insight into into the way I was seeing the world because I don't like doing what everyone else is doing. I think it comes from probably my childhood feeling very different. So very intentionally embracing being different and being like, oh, like, well, I didn't want to be like you anyway, (laughs) you know? And so um, my whole life, I've always very consciously chosen to do things that aligned the most with me, even if it meant other people weren't into it. And I feel like we're in this place now where like there's more life coaches than ever. And there was like this part of me that was just like, oh my God, I'm becoming such a cliche by telling everybody I'm a life coach now. So there was there was that initial resistance to it. But I got over that hump because I was just like, you know what? Like, if this is what I want to do and that's my desire, I have to go forward with that. And is it even really true that everyone's a life coach? Like it might seem that way to me because it's just confirmation bias. Like I'm seeing that because that's what I want, but is that even really true? So I started questioning my thoughts. Um, But then the other thing that came up was, but you don't know what you're doing. You're not qualified. Like you haven't gone to school for this. Like you don't know how to ask the right questions. Those demons, I think were even louder than the, life coaching's cliche voice. Um, It took a lot for me to overcome that. And so I've really been taking small baby steps, which I think is the way to do anything new is you're saying like, oh, how do we become Brene Brown in three steps? You don't. It's actually 3000 steps and you're only seeing the three big ones, you know, and it's like, what is that little tiny step we can do every single day to get us closer to the outcome that we want? that's what I've been doing. I have been finding Steph really inspiring because I see her building her business and her practice and everything she's doing for the money flirt in a very similar way. And so she's been very inspiring to me just because I feel like though I have been on this path for a long time, being somebody who's a coach, being somebody who develops courses, all of that is like totally new to me. And I don't know what I'm doing, but I have the evidence and the experience to know that I can figure it out. You a hundred percent can. And I see that you're a rebel. I love that about you, that you're like, no, I'm not going to do what everyone else is doing. You know, I'm going to find my own way and be true to myself. I definitely resonate with that in terms of like, I want to do courses. I want to do coaching. All that stuff is awesome. And there's a part of me that has a narrative that's like, (laughs) almost like, well, everyone is doing it. So I have to find a better or different way to do it. And I've had to like really deconstruct that and talk myself out of it. That's like, Jillian, you don't need to find a better way to build email. Like just send emails the same way everyone else does. You can do coaching. You can do Instagram. You can do courses. You can write a book just because everyone else has also written a book and given talks and run workshops. It's like the cool thing isn't that someone invented the concept of a workshop and it wasn't me, right? Like you showing up as yourself is what 
breathes life into those various experiences. And so even though lots of other people are offering coaching services, yours are inherently going to be unique because they're infused with exactly what you do, your life experience, your viewpoint, your values. And so it's like the shape of the container almost doesn't matter at all because 99.9% of the spirit of it is what you're bringing to it. 1000%. And I went through that same exact thing when I was starting my podcast because I started in 2019. It's a creativity podcast. And I was just like, wait, like how many podcasts are out there about this? Like I took a podcasting course from a woman who sort of like had a podcast, basically like the one I wanted to do. So I'm just like, I was like, you know, being that rebellious person, you know, my entire career up to that point had been if I'm going to do something, especially because I think you used to work in advertising. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I, I work in um, content marketing. Okay. Um, I run a content marketing team. So yeah, we do copywriting and video production and all kinds of marketing stuff. So yes, we have okay. a sort of similar path. Yeah, I used to be an art director in the ad world where unique ideas are king. <laughs> like, yeah. We have something we call parody products, right? There's mm-hmm. like 50 kinds of detergents out there. So your ad has to be so unique, so new, never right. seen before for that to stand out and become your messaging. It can't be like, it cleans your clothes. <laughs> no, exactly. Because it's like, well, they all do that, right? And so I became so conditioned to this idea that if you go out into the world and do something, it has to be never been seen before and totally brand new. Wow. And that's I had such resistance to that doing my podcast because I was just like, but there's so many other podcasts about there out there about this. Like, who am I to do this? And when I had the the realization that you just so eloquently said, and that changed everything that it's me, it's the essence of me that is what makes what is making this thing completely different and new and in a way no one's ever seen before because I've never done it before. And so I've really been taking that thought with me just with everything else it is that I'm doing. And I think we stop ourselves from making stuff so much because of that. And I think when we realize that showing up as yourself and being as authentic and true to that as yourself is what makes the thing you're making so unique because no one has ever, you've never done it before. No, a hundred percent. I, a hundred people could take the same assignment and come up with a hundred different outputs. And like, I had the same thought, like (laughs) what gave me the courage to do my podcast was someone else that I followed on Instagram. Her name is Amy McNee. She runs an account called Inspired to Write. Oh, I follow her. I love her. I'm obsessed with her. She's amazing. Yeah. And so at first I was like, well, she already does the thing I want to do. So there's no, you know, like come up with something brand new. Someone already talks about the creative process. It's, it's taken. And like, actually through her work, I started to see that like, that's not true at all. It almost like opens up even more opportunities because now there's this niche that can kind of, what's the word? Like a, like a prism refracts, right? Like it opens up a whole universe of content possibilities for so many different souls to come in and fill up. And then you could fractal it out again. Like the fact that one person started a genre, I'm not saying she started it. Maybe she did. I, I don't have the evidence either way. But one person starts something and it's like almost like a blunt object where you're like, I'm going to talk about the creative process. Whoa, brand new, mind blowing, amazing. All of a sudden there's there's a reaction and people are warmed to the idea that there's something there that 
now you have kind of an open field for so many people like me and you and a thousand other people to come put our spin on it and go one level deeper, one level deeper, combine it with some other subject material, you know, make a Venn diagram where it's like, it's infinity. It splinters out forever. It does. Yeah. Just be, you know, we all have such different life experiences. We all have such different perceptions. We all Mm -hmm. have such different ways of looking at the world and frameworks of reality. And so, you know, as you're saying, like as things spin out, it's like your take on it is going to be completely different because you've had a completely different life experience. Like it's going to come out in a totally different way, especially when you start combining it with the things that you're interested in. So I'm starting to realize um, I'm trying to think like what is the most honest way for me to talk about this creative process? Like what mm-hmm. is it that I've been doing? Because it's not that I'm just talking about creativity. It's what have I done? What are the actual steps and processes that I've taken? And so a lot of that is actually involving energy and energy work and meditate, like all these different things that are other tools that I've been utilizing um, very consistently. And so I want to start bringing more of that into my work because it's something that I've lived. It's something that I've experienced. It's my filter. It's the way I've actually done this process. And so to your point, it's like we all have a different version of that. And in showing up and doing it, we also give permission to other for others to do it. Like you were inspired by Amy. And you know what's funny is um, I was on hiatus for a few years on my show talking about creativity. And so when I came back in February, I started posting more content specific to it on my Instagram. And I have more creative coaches than ever following me now. And I follow them all back. And it's just interesting also to witness my own self and my own growth and evolution, because I think there might have been a, I know, not might have, there definitely would have been a time in my past where that would have made me feel really uncomfortable Mm. and um, like to have the scarcity mindset come in. Like, yes. Oh my God. You know, I went through this with pet photography. When I started, there was like eight of us. And by the time I uh, retired this like retail pet photography business, there was like hundreds in LA and like the same thing's happening with creative coaching. Like, why is it now that I'm coming out as a creative coach? There's like 10 people following me. Like, why are there so many? And how am I going to have something to say that's different? Like, how am I going to be that unique thing? And I have none of that. (laughs) And it's so liberating to have been able to like, we mentioned healing earlier. Like this is a healing process. Like the things that trigger you are the things they're, they're the opportunities for you to address and heal, like address those wounds. And I've spent a long time doing that. And so rather than have that feel really triggering and make me feel really insecure, I'm like, oh, this is cool. There's so many of us talking about this now. I'm going to follow them all back. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, it made me think of like the, what you said before about the uh, availability bias of like, yeah, it seems like everyone's doing this, but I think we're all finding each other. I think that there's still a lot of people who are not doing this and are here to benefit from the work that you are doing and the work that I'm doing and so many other people in this field. Cause I often feel like, I know this is a misbelief, but I often feel like uh, the universe is like full of content creators. Everyone's a content creator. Now this is like a, a, a limiting belief that I've like had to work through. And it's like, no, just the people that I am really nearby and that I'm paying attention to are all, on this journey. And it's still like a pyramid where like most of the people in the world are content consumers. And like, I think that that will always be so because it's really, really hard to decide to put yourself out there. And it takes the result of a lot of that interpersonal work and, you know, finding your demons and noticing and questioning all of these beliefs to do that hard and vulnerable thing. And so I I don't know. I just want to say 
Yay us. And for people <laughs> who are listening, who are making stuff and writing and putting yourself out there, like, yay you, this is effing hard. And it's rare, even though it might not feel rare all the time. It truly, truly is. And you deserve all of the kudos and congratulations and like my like deepest, most honored pride that I can muster for you. Yeah, because I think the easier thing to do is just stay scared and hide and not do the stuff, right? Putting yourself in a position to be vulnerable is really scary. And everyone that is out there creating and doing it should totally be applauded and acknowledged. And that's, again, like choosing to look at ourselves that way versus when you put the thing out and someone comments on it negatively. Yes, like that sucks so fucking bad. It sucks to get the criticism, but it's like, who is that person even criticizing you? Did they put themselves out there? Yeah, what have you exactly. done? You know, it's the whole thing again with Brene Brown. And like she says, I'm not interested in the feedback of people who aren't out in the arena with me. I'm just not interested in the feedback. I am not available for that, you know? Preach. <laughs> one thing that was really helpful to me that actually Steph helped me see through one of her amazing astrological readings was finding this concept, encountering this concept, which I think is like a literary or like a, it might be a Jungian concept of this the wounded healer, the wounded teacher, which once I heard that, it like, it really reframed a lot of stuff for me. I think I had been operating under this, I have to fix myself and be perfect in order to be in a position to teach anything. And it really swapped me around to being like, oh, by showing all of the struggles and all the gore and like everything that was hard to get me here and why it's, I'm not done and nothing's fixed, but we're doing it anyway. It like gave me permission to just start that I like so needed. And it it took starting from like a place in the future that I'll one day get to, to you start right now. You have everything that you need to do the thing that you need to do next. And I'm wondering if you had a moment like that where you felt like, something shifted in giving yourself permission to do your work. Yeah, I really felt that when I started creative coaching. Because the thing that kept coming up for me was just I kept saying, I'm not capable because I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not asking the per I don't know how to ask the perfect question. So I need to go to life coaching school. So I need to become accredited, like, just the overwhelming thought I kept hearing was, I don't know what I'm doing. Why would anybody want to talk to me about this? And what I realized was everybody feels like that. The only difference is that some people decide to just do it anyway and start imperfectly. And as a recovering perfectionist, you know, I think a lot of us feel like we're only going to be capable and only can show up in the world when we've reached this state close to perfection, when we feel completely ready. And I don't know if that feeling ever comes. No, it definitely doesn't. <laughs> yeah. You're always going to be seeking the next thing to make you feel like you're ready and you're perfect and you're capable and you're good enough just to show up. That never comes. There's always going to be something else. And so the only difference between somebody that starts and somebody that doesn't is you just start. Knowing that nobody knows what they're doing. And you just have to make the decision to start. 100%. And you start imperfectly. And yeah. I talked about those little tiny baby steps, like start with a little tiny baby step. Because when you're stuck, 
you need to do something. If you don't do anything, you're just going to keep being stuck. You have to do something. And then that one baby step will lead to the next baby step. And if you just keep continuously making those baby steps, you look back in a year and it's like, holy shit, look at what I did. I've been doing this with my coaching. Like, it's so interesting to witness this because I know these things now and I have these tools now. So now I can see, wow, I haven't even been doing this for very long. I only started really in February, but you know, I said, well, let me first start with coaching sessions on my podcast. That seemed like the lowest hanging fruit, the easiest thing to do. I love that that seemed like the easiest because to me, that's like the highest fruit is like, now you're being publicly (laughs) witnessed in this thing that you're developing a skill around. I'm like, power to you, Grace. I didn't call it coaching. I called it office hours. And this was an idea I had announced on my podcast when I started it because it's called Creativity School. So I was like, oh, let's just do office hours. I'm so used to people coming to me and asking me about my career and my process. I have no problem answering people's questions. So it felt like low-hanging fruit for me because I'm comfortable with answering questions. So if I'm posing this as office hours, and I really, I mean, if you look at the early promos all through February, I kept calling it, um, ask me anything. (laughs) This is office hours because that's what felt comfortable to me. It's only actually like maybe a week ago, (laughs) I started calling it creative coaching sessions on my podcast. You see what I mean? But I took the baby steps that felt comfortable to me. So it started off as ask me anything office hours to then let me put out a call to see if anybody wants to do this for free for a month. And free felt comfortable to me yeah. because I wanted to grow my skills. I wanted to see if I even like this. Like, I don't know if I like this. I won't know until I try. So my next baby step was let me try this with one person and see if I like it for free. I fucking loved it. <laughs> yes. I never thought I would find something that I love more than commercial photography. And I think coaching, might. I, I love it equally. How interesting that you almost didn't do it because you thought you hated it. Or you thought yeah. you would hate it and it was really bad. Yeah. And now it's fucking awesome. Speak to that. Talk about evidence. Yeah. Because you know what? Before I started my commercial photography career, I did uh, retail pet photography. So that's lingo for uh, you hire me to take pictures of your pets for like your Christmas cards. Sure. Right? It's, right. it's family one-to-one family photography. And when I started that in 2008, I declared I am never doing commercial photography. I'm just never <laughs> doing it. It's too scary. They're way too good. I never went to photography school. I'm not good enough. I'm not capable. I don't want to do it. And then in 2010, a huge ad agency came calling and knocking on my door and said, hey, can you do a three-day shoot for Purina with us? The budget's $300,000. And I was just like, oh my God, yes. First I say yes, and then I poop my pants. Right, of course. (laughs) Like, it's just, it's so interesting. That's what I was talking about. That fear is really illuminating. You wouldn't be as scared if there wasn't something behind it. If someone was like, Grace, be a bus driver, not knocking bus drivers, but I'm just like giving like yeah. an example of like, I just say, I'll figure it out. Okay. I have no skin in the game. I don't, there's nothing holding me back. It's not saying, personal. Okay, it's yeah. not personal. I yeah. can drive a bus. Okay. Like I don't know how to drive a bus, but I can do it. I don't have any internal imposter syndrome feelings to that. Right. Yeah. But so I did the same thing with coaching, but I took the little tiny baby steps to try it. And now I'm just like, wow, I think I love this as much as commercial photography. It's so thrilling. It's amazing to help people 
Um, And so after that free month, I was like, okay, I'm going to open up two spots paid. See if I like it. Uh, So I have two paid clients right now. I love working with them. And as soon as I'm done with them, I'm going to open up two more spots and I'm just going to keep building baby steps and just see where this takes me. I think that's the beauty of this journey is just seeing where the baby steps are going to take you because you that's the other thing is that I think we all think we need this grand plan like we need to sit down and map it out, know exactly what we're going to do. Let me tell you, because I have done that. It's exhausting. Plans never go according to plan. Like that's a cliche for a reason. They don't go according to plan because they just don't. And when you set out this grand master plan step by step, what ends up happening is you just end up trying to control something versus allowing things to happen. But if you just sort of like have a general direction of where you want your compass to point and you follow that step by step, knowing that it's going to shift a little and then you just follow step by step. You know, like it makes it the creation process so much easier. I love that so much. One of my favorite kind of guiding quotes from Julia Cameron, the author of The Artist's Way, is sometimes you have to shake the apple tree and you get oranges. Yes. Like yes. I, I thought of that when you were speaking earlier about just the like make some action in any direction and like don't fret if it's the right or perfect next action. Like you have to just start somewhere. That's one of the tools in my knapsack is like, when I notice I'm overthinking about what's the right way to do it or the right next thing, it's like, it literally doesn't matter. Just do any next thing. And that sort of shakes up the energy of the universe. Cause you're like, okay, now I'm rolling. I went from stopped to rolling. And like, now you've got some inertia going. It's totally, I look at it as energy, you know, mm-hmm. like we have stuck energy and to get the energy moving requires just small motion. That's it. You get, and then you get the inertia to keep it going, but you're never going to get anywhere if you don't just do something. It has to be anything. And start with jumping jacks. Like start with literally the the first motion that you can come up with and you've broken the seal. And then you can sit and do one more thing that's a little bit closer to what you're trying to do and just like push it incrementally from there. Ah, totally. So beautiful. Grace, now that you're a creativity coach. um, (laughs) So weird. (laughs) Well, one more thing before we close. I do want to, you were talking before about like, feeling like you don't know what you're doing and that you haven't gone to life coach school. I have gone to life coach school. Oh, and really? Then, yes. So let me just let me just dispel for you. First of all, I learned a lot of stuff and I'm happy to talk to you about it anytime if you want. I loved the experience. But life coaching at its essence for me is like, it's just about noticing. It's about being observant and it's about helping to pull threads like deeply inside someone about like what they're trying to do and like almost helping them do the same thing that you're talking about where like you can articulate and actually even say out loud the thing that you were so scared to say. It's having a safe place to be able to explore that stuff. And that's what you're doing. Thank you. You know, what really helped me was I have a coach. Yes. And she really talked to me a lot about what do you think life coaching really is and what do you have to offer people? And my biggest aha moment was when I realized the stuff people want to come to me for is not the stuff that I'm going to learn in life coaching school. Yes. 
it's my lived experience of living, breathing, walking this path for 14 years, having been through every single struggle that they've gone through, plus more, having done the work on myself, having developed the tools to have the resilience to keep going. Like all of that stuff is not the stuff I would have learned in life school. It's the stuff that I learned from my own experience of life and walking this path. And so that really helped change things from I'm not capable to I am capable. And This is what I think is really cool about taking these tiny baby steps towards things, especially when they scare you, is that honestly now, it's only even been a few months and I can intellectually now remember that I felt incapable, but it's not even a feeling I remember in my body anymore. I'm just like, Mm. how did I ever feel that way? I I am so capable. I love this so much and like I'm helping people and it's the best. So I think that's the power of just taking action. (laughs) Clarity comes with action. Yeah. And probably some of that clarity was getting to see the impact that you were able to have. And that reflected back to you. And you're like, oh, whatever I'm doing is excellent. And it's working, even if it's not matching up to the thing in the box that I had in my head of what it was supposed to be. Like, it is good. Whatever the waffle that we made is a great waffle. So like, go with it. Yeah. And you know what? I think it really... Anytime, again, you have these triggers, like it's such opportunity to see what were the thoughts holding me back. And it's some, there's something called generalized behavior. How you do one thing is how you do everything. So if I am minimizing myself and my capabilities and feeling like I have to be perfect just to show up as a life coach, where else in my life am I doing that? There's so much to be learned about these kinds of opportunities that feel really hard and the resistance that we have because we can learn so much more about ourselves. And I fully can see what actually um, I had a client message me after our first session and she said, I I just don't understand how you were able to get to the root of everything that's been keeping me stuck so quickly. And I cried because it was like a blindfold had been removed. Like I thought about how much I had been doubting myself And how much I had within me that I didn't see or want to see. And where else in my life have I been holding back because of that? Wow. Yeah. That's really powerful. I'm just sitting with that for a second. Just as a closing thought, like that's why it's so important, I think, to keep putting your stuff out there. It's not for accolades or for like, quote unquote, success. It's just for reflection. It's for feedback that I think the things that we experience in our minds as like, this is what the value I have to offer, we're often not correct. And until you see the way you're impacting people with your work, it can sometimes be surprising because it's different than you thought or just so much more powerful. Something I put out that feels really simple that people are like, oh my God, thank you. That's happened to me a few times and I screenshot it every single time because I'm like, oh my God, that is so cool. And it's just... It's just such validation to keep going with this work because when it feels scary and vulnerable, like on the other side of that is the difference that you're here to make in this world. And it's what I hear you saying is like, it's within reach. Like, it's like right next to my fingers. You just have to like reach out and get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's I think there's this like idea that, well, this is just for her. This just happened to her. No, this is like something that's within all of us. You know, and it's we're holding our own selves back and not allowing to see our own greatness in doing that. A hundred percent. Oh, beautiful. Grace, let's leave it there. I'm just so appreciative for your time and your presence on the show today. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I love talking about this stuff and can do it all day long. So thank you. 
Thank you for walking this creative path with me. I'm so grateful to be learning with you. If you like the show, I'd love for you to share it with a fellow creative. And please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. For more day-to-day support and inspiration, join our creative community on Instagram at beautiful underscore possibility. The show is hosted by me, Jillian Jacob Kieser, and edited by Abby Circatella. The theme music is from Candelion. Until next time, just keep going.